main thing is the PTSD, anxiety, and depression. But what about the other mental health stuff that's that's out there? I'm Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, founder of Grapevine Health and your host of the Grapevine Health Podcast, a podcast highlighting stories, health insights, and experiences of community members. We started this podcast because too often discussions and decision-making about health and the healthcare system don't include perspectives from the people we serve. So listeners, if you have a personal story or an experience from working in the community or on the front lines of healthcare, contact us and we might have you on the show. Charnel Cheney is back today talking about trauma in the community and what she's noticed during the pandemic. So I wanted to have a quick conversation with you, though, uh, about what you're seeing in the community with respect to trauma right now. It seems um, there's a lot going on with people. Have you Mm -hmm. noticed any differences uh, during the pandemic versus before the pandemic? Yeah, I think so. Basically, because I mean, people don't know what's happening, what's going to happen next. And I think that, you know, with us having to sit in the house and we're forced to kind of deal with our own stuff, stuff that we was able to avoid before the pandemic, because we was able to keep ourselves busy and distracted. And I think that the more it come up, people don't, if they don't have the tools to, you know, be able to navigate through their trauma, then it's coming out of other ways. Wow. Okay. Well, do you have any specific examples? I'm curious. So um, how, how do you think people were coping before the pandemic? Like, I mean, I feel like people, they could go out to the club, they could go out to bowling and golfing, you know, so much stuff to do in the city that you can do and not, and to distract yourself, but with everything being shut down and you're forced to be in the house with people that you normally could avoid <laughs> if you wanted to, it, it changes things. I know, like, as far as for me, like, my situation with my mom, like, our relationship was kind of rocky, and I just had kind of, like, put it on the back burner. I just wasn't, I started a new job. I was, you know, doing that. But when the pandemic hit and I was forced to, like, sit in the house, all these different emotions coming up, I'm being triggered, and it's like, it was, it was hard. It was hard to deal with, but, you know, I mean, I got tools, so I know how to heal myself, So, which is why I try to do what I do to share the gift. Yeah, I know, and I want to talk about that. Um, but I, I'm curious to also hear your perspective on why people feel like yoga, meditation, uh, the usual uh, things people might think of as stress reduction tools, why they think those are not appropriate for them? What are you hearing about that? Um, so nobody haven't, they haven't said it, but if I had to just make my own assumption, I just think that when it comes to, I think that when people show up, if they haven't done it, they're more so concerned about how they look, are they, are mm. they doing it, their body conscious, you know what I'm saying? Stuff that, that's the reason why you come into the mat in the first place, basically. And it's like, if you not, and I try to, I try to, when I open a class, I try to like state, cause my, in my opinion, if you name it, you tame it. Like if you say like, this is what's going on with me, then you'll be able to, it's like, once you say it, it no longer bothers you. It's no longer that thing that bothers you anymore. So, you know, people just, it's, it's different. They uncomfortable. Yeah. But when you want 
keep growing, but people don't always look at it like that. We like to be in our comfortability, comfort zones. Mm-hmm. If you name it, you tame it. I love that. I don't want to have to use that one. <laughs> how, how do we get men to engage in yoga and meditation? Mm, that's a good question. I think we got to make more spaces just for them, honestly. I think when we try to make it both, like they look, they, they paying attention to the women and they saying like, damn, like they really got it. Like this one, this might be more for them. And it's not like that. It's just that our bodies are different. So, you know, everybody going to take, get it at their own pace. So does I think it have to be a, does it have to be a male teacher? I think, it, I think it'll help. I think it'll be mm. better if a male teacher just because they know, they know a male body more better. Just like I feel like when it comes to like yoga teachers, I feel like it should be the teacher of your culture because our body makes that different from research that I've read. I mean, yeah, know, sure. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of um, discussion right now about health disparities, why black and brown people have higher rates of chronic health conditions. And I think a lot of this is linked to mental health disorders. What do you think about that? I totally agree. Um, I feel like, I know for me, what I noticed is that once I started to heal my mind, my body started to follow. So like my intuition picked up on more stuff that I shouldn't eat and what I should, like I know what to eat. Like I automatically feel like, no, nah, I don't eat that. Even if I don't know like what's in it or the ingredients and stuff. So I definitely do feel like the more our intuition and I look at mental health too like spiritual health if you if you spiritually in tune your intuition is high and then you're able to be guided you know for what's for you everybody that might be different for everybody yeah. so you can't always turn to the next person to give you their advice because that might have worked for them but it might not work for you mm-hmm. so I definitely agree with that it's linked to both so think about the healthcare setting though what do you think healthcare providers and the healthcare system can do a better job of when it comes to mental health or behavioral health issues, including addiction? I think they need to take mental health more serious. I think they need more guidelines. I really wanted to talk about that. I think they need more guidelines, like really around mental health, because like one thing I see a lot of women experience is like postpartum depression after in my community, after they have a baby. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know that that's what it is. We don't even know. I didn't know nothing about it. And then it's like, you know, when you're experiencing trauma back to back and then you just had a baby and you're living in an environment where it's nothing like that triggers that depression in you. So um, it's, what do I think health care? I think we definitely need to talk more about it. It needs to be no, no let up as far as the talk around mental health, because even with the mental health agencies, they're not knowing enough to address the multiple different things that could be going on with you. Like you got the most, the, the main thing is the PTSD, anxiety, and depression. But what about the other mental health stuff that's, that's out there? The information or the conversations we're having about high rates of poor outcomes for black mothers and their babies, mm-hmm. people are trying to figure out why that is. And I'm curious to get your perspective on it. Do you think it's related to trauma in some way? And if so, why? So I just think it's because of the disparities. Disparities, honestly, we not educated enough on how to take care of our body as women in the black oh. community. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to all the how the healthy eating and all the stuff that you do when you carrying the baby, I don't feel like that's 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 preached enough 
or I mean, talked about enough. So if we're not taking care of our bodies enough to even carry a baby or we, and then another thing is kids are looked at as a burden. So a, a lot of the time you got to look at, okay, you know, abortions, how many have that person had? That is like a really big thing. And now you're ready to have a child. Can your womb carry a child now? So I think it's a lot that come into play when it comes to, and then the trauma from that, that's trauma, right? Feeling like your child is a burden when your child should be a blessing. But in the black community, when you have a baby, it's, I mean, it's celebrated, but it's not really celebrated. It's almost like, oh, you gotta, you know, it's not, it's not like how it is of other cultures when you have a baby. Wow. So what, what if moms were healthier before they got pregnant? Do you think the outcomes would be better or do you think it would still be a challenge? I do think the outcomes would be better because if you're taking care of yourself while you're carrying your wound, you're, I mean, and then we're talking about like the hormone imbalance that we go through and the food that we feed to keep our hormones balanced. Like, what are those foods? We don't know. You know what I'm saying? So we knew what to do as we're going along. And I'm pretty sure that'll change. I think yeah, it'll help a lot. We need to, we need to be educated. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, I know I'm asking you a lot of questions, but I know you have incredible insight um, having grown up in an underserved community and we need to hear from people like you. We, we need your input. I moved to Southeast three years ago and I noticed the trauma, but the trauma can be very subtle. Even mm. hearing a gunshot, even though it's not right outside my door, just hearing it, that does something to you, right? So. There, there's a lot of trauma we're not paying attention to. Tell me, tell me, your, tell me your perspective on subtle trauma and how that affects people's health. Well, it definitely causes PTSD. So I have a cousin who was, she was shot in her leg and her best friend was shot in her neck on two separate occasions. And anytime we go out, anything loud drop, they nervous, they you know, thrown off, and it's like, and I asked them, like, so would y'all go see a therapist? And they like, nope. I'm like, but would y'all do group therapy? They're like, yeah, we'll do group therapy. So I think really starting to find out who these victims are from the trauma mm-hmm. so they can get the help that they need. Because I'm like, how can you work a job at that point? If some, if you, like my cousin, she a server, if somebody drops some dishes and you get triggered, you could flip out, lose your job you're emotionally unstable at that point to have a job. So now we're looking at why the unemployment rate is so high. Well, we're not emotionally stable enough to keep a job because when you trigger, I mean, it's like, I mean, I know for me, like when I walk into certain places, like they got an attitude, they rude. You know, it's like the trauma. It's like, I always say living in D.C. can be traumatic because it's like, what, what is going on? The energy is just, everything is just so different. And it's, and I think it's just because it's so much that has not been addressed as far mm-hmm. as health wise. Yeah. So why do you think your your friends weren't interested in individual therapy? I don't know. But if I, I that's a good question. I didn't even ask them why they weren't interested in it. But if I can say, I know, like for me, when I've been through therapy, I feel like it's too much to have to keep going through your story. Like if you find a therapist and that therapist don't work, now I got to find another one and retell my story all over again, give you insight all over. Nine times out of ten, I'm probably giving you what I know you need so you can probably help me. So it becomes a lot. 
And I think that in a group setting where you could come together, you could talk about it, it don't feel as taboo, maybe. Because even when I talk about, like, I have a cousin who, you know, wants to get married and, you know, just coming up with the fear of, you know, commitment. And she like, dang, where's this coming from? Like, I experienced the same thing when I had got married and it led to a divorce. So it's like, that's enough. Like, you know, everything is so, it's so interconnected. So do you think people would be interested in just group chat sessions? Not necessarily medical therapy or, or um, psychological therapy, but just listening to each other. You think people would be into that? Yeah. I yeah. definitely do. It's just another form of, you know, therapy, I think. And if, yeah. if that's what, what they, if that's what would get them to talk about it, to work through it, I'm like, whatever they need, whatever, however they need to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a lot of girls who have been getting shot over the, or, you know, losing their life over the last few months. And I just find that to be very interesting. Why? Why? Just because over the last like 15, 20 years, the spike has run up for the women as far as going to prison versus men going to prison, like 700 percent. So now on the flip side, now more women are losing their lives as well. Like what has happened? Like where like women are the nurturers. So if most women are going to prison, like what's what where the, where does that lead to families? Like we don't even know how many kids we probably encounter whose mother is not even in the home. So, so why like, do you why do you think we're seeing a spike in women going to prison? I don't know. I think unhealed trauma, not dealing with it and finding unhealthy and dealing with it in unhealthy ways. I mean like, most like when I went into jail, most women that's in there are there for drugs. They got on. They wind up getting doing drug stuff, and then that led to other stuff. But the and then when it all goes down to it's unhealed trauma. That's what it just all yeah. They're using the drugs to to heal their their pain or to address their pain. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So do you think people should go to jail or prison for drug related offenses? No, <laughs> they need rehab. Why not? I think they need rehabilitation. The jail don't. They don't offer rehabilitation services. They just it's just somewhere that you just put somebody that that you just put somebody for them. Um, well, yeah. do do they provide resources when you come out? So they do provide resources. Yeah, they do. they do. Are they good enough? Do people know what to do? They feel taken care of? Um, I think things have got it has gotten better over the last few years. Well, in DC anyway, right? Because we got a lot of programs for returning citizens, but other places. I don't know. But in DC, I think that it has gotten better as far as services and people offering the different things that they could offer. Well, my last question for you is about um, advice you have for people trying to cope during COVID. You said it can be challenging when people are cooped up and they don't have their usual outlets. So what are some things people can do to cope or to de-stress during the pandemic? Take a journal, like whatever is on their mind that they feel like they can't like get off their mind. They can journal. journal what if they don't have? Like what if they don't have a journal and and a and a pen? Um, they can. And where are they, they going to get a journal? Uh, they can get a journal from the dollar store. They can use paper and pen. If they don't have that, that's just one thing they can do. They mm-hmm. can do. Uh, they can. They can do some breathing exercises. Like what? It's, 
like one breathing exercise is something simple where you just close your eyes and you breathe in for four seconds. You hold your breath for four seconds and then you release. And you could do that for like five minutes or three minutes is enough, really. Um, How often? As often as you need to, if you need to center yourself, if you feel a little triggered, you can just take time to yourself. That's what I like to do. Like I tell my kids, like I need some time to myself, so I'm going to go over here real quick and deal with myself. Um, And then meditation, yoga, and if that don't work, going for a walk getting some sun even if you could lay in the window and open your window and just let the sun hit you and you're just laying in like that's very helpful as well that'll help bring up your mood essential oils i like turmeric the turmeric essential oil it really helps with depression um the turmeric they got the food seasonings turmeric so you can use that baths taking a long bath a nice bath with some candles with some flowers in there. If you got flowers, you can get to. Uh, turning on some music and just dancing. Just being in your own little world. Just That's the one dancing. I like, yes. You know, acting like ain't nobody. You don't see nobody. Or and singing. Singing yep, is sing- also very stress relieving. Yes. I um I had this one um lady from, uh, she's a healer. And she told me humming is an old African tradition that we used to do to heal. So I thought that's 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 another thing too, humming. Um, I got some sage. I like to burn the sage. I burn that through the house. That brings that that kind of settles the energy no matter where I go. I'm not to you that. Just just smelling it makes you more relaxed. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, there's a lot in there. It sounds like there's something there for everybody. Uh, people are feeling stressed out, so that's good advice. I appreciate you talking to me about these things. That was Charnel Cheney talking about trauma in the community and offering suggestions for how to deal with stress and anxiety, especially in a pandemic. Thanks for listening to the Grapevine Health Podcast. Our producer is Nicholas Elias. Please like us on social media. You can find us at Grapevine Health on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Health Grapevine. Until next time, I'm Dr. Lisa, signing off.